I'm going to ask you to turn to Mark chapter 9. We're going to be starting a new series. This new series is called Detox. Everyone say Detox. Some of you guys know exactly what detox is. Some of, some of you might be trying to figure it out, but there are many ways that we can detox. I remember a commercial about, oh, I'd say it was 10 years ago, that was promoting this cleanse stuff that you could drink, and they were showing things that they pulled out of people's bodies after, well, not pulled out, you guys get the drift. And, Things that came out of people's bodies as a result of this cleanse. And I remember seeing some of these creatures that they claimed came from people's bodies. And I'm like, I, I don't even know if I want to do that just because I don't want to see that, you know. But it was, it was a form of detox. And we know we can detox many things. For instance, I've, I've done the ketogenic diet and something that I love in my life is sugar. And if you guys have ever done a diet like that where you do no sugar, you know there is a detox off of sugar. Now, it's not as bad as detoxing off of drugs, but it's close. You can detox, but believe it or not, they believe because of the, the, the chemical triggers in the brain, uh, men can detox off of pornography. There are many ways we can detox and I want to read the definition for you. It's a process or period of time in which one abstains from or rids the body of toxic or unhealthy substances. And I believe when we apply the principles of what we're going to be talking about for the next five weeks, we can cleanse ourselves and separate ourselves from the flesh and just everything we do points to the spirit. For those who don't know, there are three parts to the body. There is body, soul, and spirit. The Apostle Paul, in several of his writings, speaks of our flesh battling our spirit all the time. And our spirit, which is what connects us with God, is often halted because of the desires of our flesh. So the detox that we're going to be talking about is getting to a place spiritually where we have purged the fleshly things from our lives and realigned ourselves with God's Spirit. Who wants to do that? Amen. So today I want to talk about fasting. This church... Uh-oh. This church has heard about fasting for a long time. But I'm going to be so bold to say there are regular practicers of fasting in this church. And there are, then there are those who have heard about it who have never taken the plunge. Who have maybe tried it a little bit and said, you know what, that's, that's not for me. I'm good. I'm going to do my own thing. Well, they can fast and I support them in their fasting, but that's not for me. Now we're going to get to that in a moment, that statement, the, that thought of that fasting is not for you. But there are many reasons for fasting, and I'm going to break those down today. I, I have fasted regularly in my life, um, at, at least once a week, and usually that day is Sundays for me. In, in fact, um, I, I used to do a full fast, and then my throat started getting sore, and then I started just doing a regular fast where I'd, I'd at least have to drink water. And... I especially fasted at important decisions when I'm transitioning in ministry. 
There are periods of times where I would fast and pray for three days. I did that before we went to Waterloo. I did that before we went to uh, Illinois, and then I did that when we came here. And today, what I'm proposing, now this is, this is a very practical message, guys. I'm, I'm going to be teaching you today. I'm not going to be preaching very much, but this is what I'm proposing. Coming up this week is January 1st. I want us to fast and pray as a body of believers, as a community, for 40 days. So what we do, and I'm going to talk about this near the end of my sermon too, we have a calendar back there. And my goal is that all those 40 days are filled by someone praying and fasting for this church, the people in this church, and the ministry of this church. Okay? You guys on page with me so far? Some of you don't want to hear this. I get it. But I want you to turn to Mark chapter 9. We're going to be reading verses 21 through 29. This isn't exactly an expository message today. It's more topical, just on fasting. But I want our base scripture to be Mark chapter 9, verses 21 through 29. I am going to be reading out of the New King James Version this morning, and that's going to be up on the screen. It says, So he asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And he often has thrown himself thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. So Jesus has approached a, a man and, and a young boy, a young boy who is demon-possessed, and the father is saying this demon keeps throwing him, his body, into the fire. And he says, and often he's thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Don't you guys love that scripture? If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Oh, if this was an expository message, I'd be preaching on that line right there. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for your word. God, I thank you for what it teaches us and how it challenges us, Lord. And God, I pray that each and every one of us be challenged to a point where, God, we accept the challenge that you've laid before us. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The first point that I want to make today in regards to fasting. Now, we just, we just finished a scripture where it's talking about a young boy being demon-possessed. The disciples are frustrated because they had already been praying for him. They could not cast out the demon. And then Jesus said, well, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. The first thing that I want you to write down, and we're going to back this up with scripture, Jesus expects us to fast regularly. 
It's gotten quiet in here. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Paul implores us to be in season and out of season. Now, something, is, uh, something that I find interesting about Jesus telling them they had little faith, which they did. He often told the disciples that at times. The disciples, I don't know if you're aware of this, they didn't regularly practice fasting. You know that? The disciples that walked with Jesus, they didn't regularly practice fasting, so they wouldn't have been fasted and prepared to see this demon cast out. Because John the Baptist, he had, he had his own disciples, they followed, they followed him, and they, they noted that they were fasting and Jesus' disciples weren't. And so they were a little perplexed by this. And Jesus goes on to state that um, why fast when the bridegroom is right there and they can feast? So now you have Jesus who is no longer here on the earth, and we need to pick up again the regular principles of fasting. But interestingly enough, the only way that demon was being cast out that day was by someone who fasted and prayed. And when the disciples woke up that morning, most likely they did not know what they were going to encounter. When you wake up on a daily basis, you do not know what you are going to spiritually encounter. Yet, in order to cast out that demon, someone would have needed to fast and pray so that they could see that boy set free. And here, Paul, I just referenced in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, Paul is telling us to be ready in season and out of season. And I think the reason for that is because you don't know what spiritual battle you are going to encounter on a daily basis. You're going to wake up and you're not going to know what exactly you're going to face today. And so Paul tells Timothy, he implores him to be ready. In essence, Jesus is telling his disciples also, you need to be ready. See, because I believe, church, hear me out, fasting needs to be a habit. It needs to be a habit. Now, it, uh, I, I've talked on this once since I've been here. So all of you might need a refresher by now. You might not even remember what I preached last Sunday, so you definitely need a refresher. In Matthew chapter 6, there are three phases, phrases excuse me, that appear. The three phrases are when you give, when you pray, when you fast. For those who have ever read, Jenison Franklin has a book called Fasting. And he refers to those three things that when you give, when you pray, when you fast, he refers to that as the threefold cord referenced in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12. So he is saying this threefold cord is a bond that is not easily broken. And these three cords that he is referring to is praying, giving, and fasting. And here Jesus, when he says that in Matthew chapter 6, he's not saying it as a suggestion. You hear that? He's not saying, if, if you give, if you pray, if you fast. He says, when you do. So Jesus is saying, I expect you to do this. Amen. I want to read Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. Jesus says, and when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. 
But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will notice that you are fasting except your Father who knows what you do in private. And your Father who sees everything will reward you. There's many lessons to be learned here in this scripture for fasting. One is don't fast for notoriety. Don't make it appear like a struggle. And make it a part of your regular spiritual practice. When Wendy and I were over in Papua New Guinea in 2001, I don't know if you've ever seen on like the Discovery Channel or National Geographic or PBS, there is a group of people known as the Mud Men of Papua New Guinea. Have you ever seen them? So Wendy and I actually got to see them. And they're only the Mud Men of Papua New Guinea when they are mourning. So they, they put these, these big masks on and they rub mud all over their body and they just sit off to the side of the road, they find a busy road, and they mourn the death of someone in their tribe. They're doing that, catch this, they're doing that to get noticed. They're wanting other people to recognize exactly what they're going through. You know we do that often in fasting? Sometimes we might parade the fact that we're fasting. Or we might let others know it as a struggle. Because let me tell you, in the Old Testament times, that's exactly what they were doing. I mean, they'd wear burlap sackcloth and they'd, pour, they'd rub ashes all over themselves. They would look completely disheveled because they wanted the world to know, hey, I'm fasting. Now we're going to get into that in a moment and how we should approach fasting. But right now I want to talk about when you should fast. When should you fast? The first thing that I want to know is to acknowledge our dependence upon God and gain spiritual strength. You know, Jesus did this in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. He did it before ministry began, as he, as he fasted and prayed in the wilderness for 40 days. He was doing this to display his dependence and need for God and gain spiritual strength as he prepared for ministry. The second thing, for confession, repentance, and favor... We're not going to read it, but that can be found. That reference is in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4. Nehemiah did this in the sight of the king, all because he was devastated about the state of Jerusalem. And so he repented for 